You're listening to Personal Rejection Letter, a podcast by writers with day jobs. Lipster. <laughs> I'm Kelly Daniels, and today is an incredibly special, incredibly exciting day because we have our first ever special guest. So, welcome to Joe the Sex Monkey Bonomo. Now, that's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard that right. Two, two Incredibly's and a special and a sex monkey. <laughs> It's a cocktail. I assume that's just, you know, the nickname you have among your inner circle. And no so, no uh, comment. No. <laughs> it is the tattoo you have. It is. Joe, that's, do you have any tattoos? I do not. Okay. No, I don't. I, I missed the boat. That's my last question. <laughs> well, uh, Joe, actually, Dan, I wanted you to introduce Joe because there's a lot of testosterone in this room right, right. now, and I just didn't want you to get overshadowed. So um, I appreciate that. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce Joe, although I, unlike you, I don't have any notes. So uh, I'll just have to wing it. But I've known Joe for about uh, 15 years now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a little bit longer. And uh, we both teach together at Northern Illinois University. And Joe is a writer of much repute. He wrote the book Sweat about the flesh tones, which is the, I think it was the first thing I read of yours. First book I wrote. Did that come out before ACDC? The ACDC? That was my first book. Yeah. 2007 that came out. And that's an amazing story. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later on in the episode. But Joe, other than being a fantastic writer, He's a great guy and uh, a, a wonderful colleague and a, and a, and a What good about friend. his latest book? He wrote the book Field Recordings from the Inside. That's right. And it's Soft Skull. Soft Skull Press. Mm-hmm. And it's probably available wherever books are sold. Well, it, the official pub date is February 14th, but I know it's shipping Aww. now. Yeah. yeah. February 14th. Exactly. Nice. Spring yep. training, right? Oh, you mean Valentine's Day. Yes. Right? <laughs> they're, they're both important. <laughs> yeah. And Joe, un, un, not only is he a, a music guy, but he's also, like you, Kelly, a big baseball guy. So Indeed. you guys have mm-hmm. that in common. And a cocktail guy. And a beer guy. Yeah. There no we go. tattoos, though. No tattoos. Yeah. Do you, Kelly, tattoos? I do. I was living in San Francisco in the uh, 90s. Enough said. And you had yeah. to have one. Yeah. It was just like, you know, if I didn't, then I would be kicked out of... They have TSA guys that wand you, and if it doesn't beep for a tattoo, (laughs) you can't get into the Cinnabon. Yeah. So uh, Joe writes a lot about rock and roll and blues and all that kind of stuff, among other things. And so uh, our topic today is about that, music. And so I want to do a little poll. Who in this room, out of the writers in this room, raise your hand if you're a failed rock star. I'm a successful rock star. No, you're a failed rock okay, star. Okay, then you two, have to raise two your hands up. So two out of three. I was in a band in, in yeah. high school. I was in a band. You were. That's yeah. right. I never was. Well, that's why you're a successful writer. <laughs> Maybe uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm. I'm driven by something other than regrets and frustration. <laughs> well, I think that I <laughs> and failed I under- rock star dreams. I think I do. After this last like presidential election, I think I've under I've learned about polls and statistics how it works. So. What I think we've just proven is that two-thirds of all writers are failed rock stars. There's always been a connection, it seems to me, between literature and music. And in our kind of current times, uh, there's a lot of rock and roll going on. I thought we would uh, start off, Joe, with you just uh, telling us uh, maybe an origin story of how you became who you are in terms of a writer and uh, the kind of stuff that you do. Anything you want to tell us? First of all, I want to... I'm your first guest, correct? So yes. can I also be your, your last guest? No. Like, <laughs> like Bill Murray did with David Letterman, show up 
Oh, first, right. first and last. Oh, okay, yeah, we can. And I can spray paint it. something. Like yes, this. thirty so, years later, make yourself. One of available. us will be in a hospital deathbed, and we'll do a recording right. from there, and then we'll bring you in. And just... I'm, I'm booked. So yes. I'm, okay, yeah. <laughs> My music writing career, such as it is, is actually entirely accidental. I was actually trained in graduate school in creative writing, uh, writing poetry. My mm-hmm. dissertation is actually a, a collection of poems. Sometime in the mid-90s, I started getting tired of writing poems and unsatisfied with them. And I started writing essays. And I've been writing essays exclusively since the mid-90s. And at the same time, as I was publishing autobiographical and personal essays, I also thought that this story about the Flesh Tones, a band that I love, would, would be a great story. So I started pitching that as sort of a sideline to the personal essays I was writing. And many, many years, many, many rejections, it finally got, got taken. It ended up being my first book. When at the same time, I was trying to get a collection of essays published, but that took its own long, long, long time. So that first book about the flesh tones, called Sweat, that came out in 2007 with uh, Continuum. And I had some success with that and a good relationship with my editor there, David Barker, who's now working somewhere with Continuum, but back in, in England working in a different capacity. And the next year, he asked me if I would want to consider writing a book for a new series that Continuum was starting about the founders of rock and roll, a series that never took off. It never happened, actually. Oh. But uh, he asked me if I would write one of the first books along with David Kirby, the poet and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and writer who wrote. I like that dude. He, that guy is my favorite he's a riot. Facebook yeah, he's great. writer presence. Like, he is always a, the good vibe and funny. I hope you can meet him less virtually because he's a super nice guy. Yeah. In quote, I like unquote, his poetry. life. Yeah, I, I remember reading his poetry when I was an undergrad because it was funny poetry. Yeah. Funny, so you can right. like it. But there was some, some depth to it. Oh, too. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he wrote one about Little Richard, and I wrote uh, a book about Jerry Lee Lewis, oh. uh, Live at the Star Club, uh, a, a book about that incredible album he recorded at the Star Club in West Germany in 1964. Uh, and that led to my third book with them, which was a 33 and a third book. So really, as I was writing these music books, I was still writing essays on the side. And yeah. it's only recently that those essays... You told me a story. I just remembered it. We met... Um... For the first time, like in person last year at AWP in L.A. And drank beers. We drank beer. It was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I remember you giving me something about the origin of the Flesh Tones story. And I don't know if you want to say this on air, but about the way that you submitted it and then kind of, yeah, it's if a you want to say it. It's I don't a funny know story. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's an in, hopefully an inspiring story also. I was sending proposal and, you know, the early, early chapters, et cetera, out to tons and tons of agents and, and editors as we do, book editors, and it was routinely rejected, including by the press that ended up publishing it. <laughs> they, they returned it with a polite alas, as, <laughs> as we get. and It's too good for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I can't remember how many short while later, weeks later, perhaps, I resent because I had lost track of, of many places to whom I'd sent because I'd been just blanketing publishers with this. And uh, a month or so passed and the editor wrote back and said, hey, we like this. Let me run it past my New York and London editors and see if they like it. And they ended up taking it. I've never told him that they first rejected it before they took it. I think what happened is it never got to him. It stopped at a yeah. At an assistant editor or an intern or something. Right. And, uh, but luckily, just, just the luckily, story just verifies what everybody already fears. 
both hilarious and horrifying. Right. And, and lucky. The beauty of it though, is even if I I can see you like are afraid, you don't want to tell anybody, but it's too late now. (laughs) I mean, you can't unpublish the book. Well, my wife and I were joking. My wife, Amy Newman and I were joking that, uh, you know, at what point, at what point do I, uh, do I tell him? During the galley stage, after yeah. I signed the contract, never. You I never reached that. The <laughs> point has not yet arrived. No, exactly. I'm can, still scared. Can you say a little bit like why you thought the Flesh Tones would make a great book? Yeah, yeah. I, I was. There were a lot of people who I had to convince of that because um, I would bet on that not a lot of people knew the Flesh Tones. Well, not a lot of people knew them uh, in the mid. Well, I started writing the book in 2000. I remember when you said to me you were writing a book about the Flesh Tones, and then I was like, ah, and you were, do you like them? I was like, I, I I've heard the name. Right. I, I imagine most people heard the name the Flesh Tones but couldn't tell you a single song. Or- well, they were on IRS records in the 80s, along with R.E.M. and right. the Go-Go's and the bands, that uh, several bands that really made it Police. big. The, uh, right, well, different. Uh, well, no, yes. You know, they were on, they were on, um, oh, the I big, they weren't Warner Brothers, but IRS was, was part of Warner it, Brothers, yeah. exactly, right. Music, uh, and they had their their big shot, you know, in the mid '80s, and it didn't work. The singer Peter Zaremba hosted a show on MTV called 120 Minutes on Sunday night, so oh, yeah. he had some 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 uh, a bit of a high profile. They essentially had their big conventional chance at success in the mid '80s, and it didn't happen for them. But they didn't quit. They woke up the next day, every, year after year. They recorded. They toured the world. They they're the only band that debuted at CBGB in 1976 that hasn't had a single inactive year. Wow. And that's wow. that's an American legend yeah. story as far as I'm concerned. And I knew that they're they're being forced to redefine what success means on a daily level. I mean, here are these guys in their fifties, sixties, they're still crashing on promoters' floors and, and 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 sleeping two to a bed in hotels just to make rock and roll. And yeah. I knew that it was a, that was a, a very cool and inspiring story. That's a very kind of personal rejection letter writers with day job story. I mean, because right. our our whole point here is we're we're not speaking to the Pulitzer Prize winners here. We're talking to the writers who are just keep pumping it out and uh, aren't getting on the bestseller list. But you know that's cool too because exactly. and so grinders. Mm-hmm. You got to learn to plug yourself into what you love. Yeah. In the face of great odds. And that, so that is what ended up driving that book and making that book so interesting is that it's not a story of a band that was huge and that, you know, it wasn't just about a bunch of parties with celebrities, well, know, bold face names. There were a lot of parties. <laughs> yeah, right. And a lot of celebrities, too, uh, even even fairly recently. But I, I'm, I think I'm perversely uninterested in success, yeah. Yeah. in conventional success. I'm more interested. I just finished uh, Bruce Springsteen's memoir, which was terrific. I was surprised. Yeah. I really loved it. Called Born to Run. The second half of the final third became so much less interesting to me because I, I should be interested in in the logistics of how you pull off a Super Bowl halftime show, but, <laughs> yeah. I'm, but I'm far more interested in the skinny Bruce, you know, at age 19 on the boardwalk in Asbury Park, think fantasizing. Boy, I wonder if I'll ever get there one day. That's yeah. that, that kind of hunger is so much more interesting to me right. and, and loss and all There's that. There's an Emily Dickinson poem about being a nobody. And it's like, how dreary to be a somebody. And, you know, it's That's just great, like, yeah. hey, these are all the people I like. Just like, and of course, she was a nobody her whole life and then became definitely a somebody afterward. And if I knew that poem, I could have used that as the epigraph for Sweat. Sure. That would have been great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, you know, Jamie Gordon, anybody happen to know her? She's a novelist. She was one of my teachers at Western Michigan University way back when, I mean, not that long ago, but, uh, she wrote in the trenches her whole life, you know, small press and smaller press. And she had kind of a shot in her early stage of going into um, it, getting a, a book with a, 
major press and uh, didn't they they she didn't do it right and they they refused it and um, but she won the National Book Award in like 2008 or something like that um, for a small press book. It's called Lord of Misrule. I mean, you know, the National Book Award in fiction. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and now she's and she's kind of at the end of her career, but she gets to kind of go and be a na- former National Book Award winner. And, the, you know, the final stage of her career is pretty sweet. Um, I, anyway, I like that story. And it could happen to anyone. It's comforting. Yeah, it's just hanging yep. in there. That must mean it's the time for revisions. Oh, but, yes. And that, was, um, that wasn't a plug-in, folks. That was a real... No, I'm working on That's a grant paper. to turn this uh, piece of paper being crumbled into a, uh, you know, into a some sort of a, a ring sample. Tone? Yeah. Yes. So uh, it was also your notes. Are you sure that you're? Can you go? <laughs> you got them memorized? It, no, it's a blank. I actually tore a piece from under oh. the notes. I'm just wasting paper here. He's prepared, Dan. Wow. Um, some sleight of hand. So, Joe, you obviously don't need to. Uh, um, participate in our revisions. You can if you want, but this is where we look back at former episodes and then wonder if we said anything we wish we hadn't said or added something. And um, I don't know, Dan, are you feeling reflective today? I just listened to the AWP episode, which I can I know helped a lot of people. Your letters and uh, texts <laughs> to us were overwhelming, but uh, I was telling you a story in there and uh, I mentioned The Simpsons but I meant the Jetsons. Oh. And I kept going, and you were clearly confused. There was a pause on your end, which I just filled with more talking, like, yeah, yeah, you remember the robots? You had the thing, and I kept going on, but I kept saying the Simpsons instead of the Jetsons. So I would just like to go back and line out the word Simpsons and replace it with Jetsons. Now, did you intentionally not correct yourself because you knew it would be good material for this? I didn't even catch it until I till I played it back and listened to it. I just, I but just I like what thinking, Joe's thinking here yeah. is that we're purposely planting errors so that yeah. we can beef up this. Sec- so far, we have been inadvertently making enough errors yeah. to where we haven't <laughs> had have to do any. that. But um, It's that one episode on the Partridge family. You're going to get better. Yeah. yeah hopefully. <laughs> um, for me, I thought back to the, remember our uh, episode about the robots, the lit bots that are going to maybe take over our jobs and start writing. I had nightmares stories. for weeks after we right. recorded that one. Well, I was thinking that there was one other thing I could add to it, which is it's already happening in a sense, just technology. Um, and I saw a screenshot of somebody I know's um, novel in progress. He's kind of, you know, pre promoting it as like kind of sharing the writing of it. And he does it on one of those um, software programs that, novel writing software programs. Anybody, have you guys heard of that? No. no. Well, they have them. And what it is, is it just sort of, uh, it's, it, how do I explain it? The form of the novel is sort of influenced by the program itself in that it's chapters and it's got like an outline function and you can move the chapters around and it, the, the software guides you into writing a novel in a pretty conventional way. <laughs> The old form and content war horse, I guess. Yeah. And so I think that uh, in a way, the robots already are changing the way we write. I mean, first, I'm sure that when you went from writing with a, a quill and uh, and a parchment. Did anybody really do that? Yes. <laughs> I'm I've seen it Jefferson. on television. They, yeah. they must have. Yeah. <laughs> um, monks in cuneiform and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the typewriter and then the word processor obviously changes things. Um, and just the fact that we can look for synonyms really easily without opening a book. 
but uh, but actually getting into software that kind of tells you how to write a novel in the big, you know, kind of a meta structure, mm. it, it would be hard not to be influenced by it if you happen to use that software. And so I think in a way the robots already are assisting us. Um, anyway. Have you, have you played around with that? I have one. I had some money, some uh, money that I had to spend on you know, like equipment. I couldn't spend it, you know, just institutional money. And so I, eh, I bought it for 50 bucks and I did, um, started plugging a novel in progress into it. And, uh, and it was sort of fun, I guess, but it took more time just getting everything into that than just working on the chapter just I wanted to work on and so making just, stuff up. Yeah. I just haven't really gotten back into it since, hmm. but, but it's all organized. Are, are, are there different, uh, modes? I mean, is there a, a Donald Barthamay, you know, is there a, mo- a modernist yeah. mode and a, Postmodernist mode. To me, it, all- it seemed like it was all really just geared toward. You know what? There were actually. It was like detective fiction. The genre. Yeah, or- I think it, it very much is is aimed at becoming a bestseller in a genre. More than you know. More power to you. Yeah, sure. I'd love to know what books are uh, have been written using that software. That'd be interesting to know. Yes, and then put a sticker on it. Right. Like, you know, turn it, um, what is it called? Um, write it approved and right you get right. a little sticker. So you know that it's structurally sound <laughs> because the robots made sure. Anyway, didn't mean to hijack our conversation. Um, let's get back to, uh, music and, uh, and writing. And, and I thought I'd turn it to you, Dan, about, uh, I know Me? you're not a, you're not a rock and roll writer like, no. like Joe, but, uh, but you probably you did play in a band, and I did. you it was a ska uh, band too. A ska band, yeah, because yep. it was the nineteen eighties. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it was great. Um, I don't know. Have you ever written any stories that you've really kind of have a rock and roll theme, or do you have any favorite mm-hmm. books of? Uh, yeah, I'm besides Joe's great stuff, have you ever uh, thought about writing a band story? I never have. No, uh, actually, uh, I read uh, Ted Heller wrote one. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it, it was after Pocket Kings. I should look it up, but it, it was, it's great. It was really good. Um, it, it, the cover of the book sort of looked like London Calling. I can't remember. Uh, it was a very funny book. Um, other than that, I don't think it, I've even read a lot of books other than that one that are about bands. I mean, I've read nonfiction stuff. I was thinking stuff. High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. I never you read, read that? Mm-hmm. Oh, High Fidelity's good. Sure, that's a that's a blast. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I saw the movie. Yeah, it's my old. It you know what the movie is as good as the book and the book is as good as the movie. Like I've almost have no experience with that. Usually you can't say that too often. No, usually the book is much better. The movie is like cheap now. And then the movie is better than the book, which means the book was bad. Right. Or Um, written to be a movie in the first place. Yeah. But high fidelity is a lot of fun. And, uh, it's, uh, I've read other Nick Hornsby. The pen sound you're hearing. And that's the only one that I've really, I didn't like the other, his other stuff that I've read, um, he seemed like he hit it with with uh, high fidelity. Some music sort of lends itself to. Uh, I've written scenes around songs that I've had. Uh, I used the Velvet Underground a lot in this most recent thing that I've written, which I can't get published anyway. But I, I sort of had uh, Velvet Underground lyrics and the, you know that first album, kind mm-hmm. of uh, I'll Be Your Mirror and all that stuff, and Sunday Sunday Morning and kind of playing in my head. So I, I've used it in that way, but I don't think I've used it directly where anybody's been making music. I don't know enough about it. Do you write, do either of you write to music with music on? I don't. I can't. I yeah. need complete silence. Yeah, me too. It depends what stage of the process I'm in. Yeah, I can line edit. I can do, I, it, I can right. do some line I editing edit. when there's music on, but. I get excited by music and want to write because I'll get pumped up, 
you know. Right. I'll put on the Rocky theme, the first, not the Eye of the Tiger. But oh, no, yeah. The, the classic. Running yeah. up the stairs. And then I, but then I have to turn it off when I actually start writing. And that's when I type like you start really hard and like. <laughs> and your uh, novel writing program tells you to slow it down. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's different. Grill Marcus says he used to write with a fire sign theater records playing in really? the background. Yeah. I that's couldn't, I, yeah, I, did. I couldn't imagine that cacophony of voices yeah. in the background <laughs> while you're trying to, 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 to and it's forge so, your own voice. I don't know how he does it. That stuff was so trippy too. Half of it yeah. It was really like it's funny. Surreal I can stuff. write in a ca- in a cafe or a coffee shop um, and just tune out the, the sound of the, you know, it was a weird experience. We have a little coffee joint around the campus here and they have a little stage for their acoustic acts. And, and of course, when there's not music playing, they put a couple of tables up there. And it's kind of fun to sit on top of it on a stage writing your novel right. with all the people below you. And, That's how it should yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to the writer, Rebecca Mackay, who's she's written a lot of a couple of novels. And I was interviewing her for Fifth uh, Wednesday Journal. And she said that she likes to go to cafes, too, at her ideal. But she won't listen to music either when she's writing. But she wants there to be a dull drone around her. And she hates it when there's just one other couple uh, talking and she can hear what they're saying. Yeah. And so her sort of ideal is to go to a foreign country and not know the language so that there's no interference, but to have that language happening, have the hubbub. I, I guess I could write with instrumental music, the ventures or something like that. Jazz. Have you ever tried it with jazz? No, I don't listen to much jazz, but <laughs> I, I think even then it would be distracting. The changes, the, right. you know, the melody and all that. I must say that I, I don't read much fiction based or about Music or rock and roll. Yeah. The same way I prefer, I'm not too interested in baseball fiction. I'm more interested mm-hmm. in nonfiction, uh, baseball, and, and yeah. music. Yeah. I love the natural. Yeah, the I haven't read that great. in a long time. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I don't go out looking. Oh, you know what? The Art of Fielding. It's a pretty damn good novel. I liked it. I have not read that, but I it's good. heard of it. Yeah. It, it's a, about a shortstop who's like a phenom, kind of Ozzy Smith reincarnated as a young guy. And, um, it's so the baseball stuff is fun. Like, you know. Have you guys written anything about music, fictional wise? Either one of you? I mean, Probably I badly in college. <laughs> in fact, I'm sure I did. In fact, one of the first things I ever wrote in college for a poetry workshop that Brooks Haxton was the teacher, we had to write a sensory snapshot poem. That was the, the uh, prompt. And I wrote a, a very bad poem about the, the doors, the big thick glass doors of the old 930 Club in Washington, D.C., opening and hearing the roar of a the Slicky Boys who were playing that night come out and I wrote a, a bad poem about that wow. and, and probably a bad story that I'm forgetting. Sounds like a great poem, but well, an idea know. for a great poem. Yeah. <laughs> I re- you actually read a story of mine, oh, that's right. Dan, that I've never had published. It was like, this is like one of the most frustrating stories in that everybody I sent it to, I got one of those nice rejections. And usually when that happens, eventually somebody takes it, but this one just didn't, it over that it just never got accepted by anybody and i kept rewriting it and i finally just now it's just in the in the history but it's about these two heavy metal guys these two friends whose goal in life is to sneak into concerts and it's about this one particular night where they try to sneak in and then they end up getting stuck in the basement like locked in there because they drop down from a vent in the ceiling and it's all pretty improbable well, Testament, it's called Testament, and the the heavy the speed metal band Testament <laughs> yeah. is playing, and uh, it sounds really fun. I like it, but I just uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it ended up uh, being like a like one of them sort of realizes something about himself, right? Basically. One of the ba- yeah, I, I changed it so many times, and it's a friendship story, and ultimately it became a coming out story where one of them was in love with the other one, and also 
hated heavy metal and liked they right. he, they were getting he was getting into the talking heads and was afraid to tell his friend that right. and then he finally admits it and the friend just hates him and he also has like a homosexual love of love crush on this guy and he can't admit that even to himself and so now there's some conflict yeah that's i that was just me trying to like up the ante as i <laughs> as it got rejected and then rewriting it and that was the final but do you think you've draft. given up on it have you read it recently um yeah you know what i broke it out recently to th- and thinking about sending it somewhere but just the fact that it was 21 pages long i just didn't even want to read it you know it's it's just like, that's probably an, an indicator right. <laughs> but uh yeah i don't maybe maybe i'll uh I, i'd like to keep it to like i don't know for some reason i'm just seeing when stories get over well over 15 pages they just get harder to read harder to to publish and um I'm not quite sure why, but that just seems to be how it is. Do you think music, I mean, Joe, do, since, since you mostly write essays about music and kind of the way that it sort of intersects with your memory and that sort of thing, and do you, do you think essays are sort of more better suited to respond to, uh, what a terrible question. I retract it. No, no. And answer it anyway. Uh, I, I, I'm not an expert on this because, like I said, I haven't sought out too much fiction yeah. about music. It's, it's my way in, certainly. And I, I just think that there's enough about the about how we listen to music and how we obsess and for me personally in terms of my new book it's I'm kind of interested in how music scores your life without you recognizing it you can go back visit right. some place or some some memory or sequence of memories and there's a, a soundtrack in your head that a soundtrack album that that's been sitting there that you can listen to and and how that happens and why it happens with some songs and not some others and why it happens at certain ages and periods of your life than others and and I'm interested enough in that and about how musicians make these songs, how they write these songs mm. and compose them and, and get them out, that that's enough for me. That, that's enough of interest for me right. to explore. I don't need to have a fictional way into that. Mm-hmm. If that answers, if that yeah, makes that sense. Makes sense yeah. Yeah. I mostly like essays better than fiction nowadays, just in terms of like of any subject. It just seems right. like um, being in a writing workshop for many years and mostly fiction workshops, I think is is really what that's all about for me. Just having read so many stories and they all start sounding the same. And it's just, and the essay, sometimes I want the writer to go, if you got something to say, why don't you tell me? You don't need to make this character and tell me what color hair this character has and who the, and this, you know what I mean? It just felt yeah. like there's a lot of wasted time. It sounds like a crisis for you, Kelly. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's come, been, come, I come, over, come over to my side. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I've been writing mostly, I mean, my yeah, book is true. nonfiction right. and uh, most of most of everything I publish with The Sun is nonfiction. And that's right. I, I loved your piece in Hotel America. Oh, thank you. Your drink, early drinking uh, yeah. escapades. Yeah, Ninth great. grade. That was a great piece. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, you. Uh, I didn't even know you except online, and uh, you uh, sent me a nice piece. And I thought, wait, people actually read these literary magazines that we get? <laughs> Incredible. It so, happens. Yeah, yeah. I've been encouraging Dan to write some essays about biking, as you know. Yeah. I still think you got it in you. Yeah, well... Somebody who goes. The son just had a piece on bike. Oh, too late, then it's over. Yeah, it's Shit. called pedal, pedal, pedal. Who wrote it? I don't remember uh, her biker. name. Forget I don't it. remember her name. Um, you know, it's kind of a nice, it's you know, fifty years worth of cycling and yeah, um, and an academic career and blah blah blah. And I'm not blah blah blah. It's great, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's definitely something there. But yeah, I gotta figure it. Out. I mean, I don't write a lot of essays, so I don't know. Uh, I do read a lot of them, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's the, most you my that's the most important part. If only there was some software that would could sort of coalesce all the <laughs> notes that I've gotten to. 
something for me. <laughs> Click on Joan Didion. Yeah. To see where that takes to the Joan Didion mode. Yeah. Um, I think we're coming to our final uh, segment here. And what we usually do is uh, we don't have a good name for it, a good pithy name. So the one we use now is uh, what you reading, what you writing, how's the teaching? No, it's how's the reading, how's the writing, how's the teaching? It's a work in progress. Yes. I think it's um, done. It looks great on a T-shirt. You can picture it already. Every episode, um, our poor listeners have to hear about um, Dan and I talk about this, so let's just uh, we'll just skip it this time and and yeah. let you answer it, Joe. And and we don't have to answer all three of them. You can if you want. You can do two out of three or one out of three. But how's the writing going? What are you reading right now? Anything interesting? And uh, how's the day job, which is teaching? Day for, job is wonderful. Yeah, I love my job. I'm grateful for it. I have great students I'm teaching in a advanced uh, essay writing workshop right now, which is going great. So the teaching is great. The reading and writing it actually dovetails because um, I'm working on a book now about the New Yorker baseball writer Roger Angel, mm-hmm. and I've been writing that for a, more more than a year now. So I, I I've, I've been reading almost exclusively Roger Angel, and he's yeah. written tens of thousands of words on baseball, and I've read him my whole life, but I've been yeah. rereading him obviously obsessively, and every word that he's written for this book. Um, so a lot's fallen off the wayside, but it's been a great pleasure to, to be reading Angel. And I didn't realize until researching and writing this book that he had a modest career as a short story writer. He had a book called The Stone Arbor, published in 1960, and uh, stories in New Yorker, of course. But uh, hmm. one, two of them adapted for television, one by Stephen Sondheim, who before he was Stephen Sondheim, before he was famous. So it's been interesting to read his stories and and, and put all this in his career Sounds context. like the care, like... Like the character in the sports writer, you know that Richard Ford's the sports writer. It's a novel by Richard Ford, and the main character is oh, right. a he bec- in the first one he becomes a sports writer, but he has a story collection huh. in a small press that never got any attention. And anyway, interesting. I wonder if he thought of Angel Roger Angel. I don't know. It's funny. Yeah. Possible. I Possible. bet he did. Yeah, I never made that connection mm-hmm. before. So, can I ask you how did you approach that material? Did you uh when you sat down to work on the Roger Angel thing? It's not like it's not a biography, right? No, it's it's a peculiar book and I'm I'm about maybe 2 thirds in to the manuscript. Uh and so it's still a little early for me, but he did not want me to write a biography. Mhm. He was not interested in that. So you approached him? And I, I approached him. and Well, I had to get his permission, actually, to uh, look at his paper. He's got 66 boxes of papers at the Baseball Hall of Fame library in Cooperstown, and I had to get his permission to access them. Interesting. And I went there this summer for a week and, and, and spent time with him, and it was, it was all of his game notes and scorecards and manuscripts. It was, it was absolutely great. But and I needed to get Cooperstown? It's so in Cooperstown. You just sat there in the I just sat there for... I've heard from morning, I like took a break image. for lunch, and sat all day Did reading. Did you have gloves on? Like, I had gloves on. Is that real? I had the white gloves. Wow. Yeah, everything. Yeah. So I, I took a bunch to of him, pictures off post eventually. But. So he told you he didn't want a biography. That right, sounds yeah. like an interesting conversation. I mean, what? Well, that, that was, was actually that email about? conversation before sure. we talked on the phone. Uh, he's a, a reserved person and uh, and uh, has written the last two books has have been personal, have been autobiographical. Tina Brown, when she was editor at the magazine encouraged him to write more autobiography, and he did. And so he's essentially essayed what he wants to essay in his sure. past mm-hmm. and, and and his complicated relationship with his father and his mother's marriage to E.B. White and all of that and other other complications. So he's covered all that. He didn't want me to and, – and which was fine because I didn't want to write a conventional biography of yeah. him. I, it's really a biography of a persona, This the Roger Angel fan, the baseball fan who sits in the stands and, and uh, filters the game through his – 
particular perspective and literary sort of essayistic approach to the game. So it's, it's, it's part a biography of this persona, part a discussion of persona and part analysis of his writing. It's, it's an interesting. So knowing piece. you, you sort of are bringing the relationship that you've had with his work. Throughout Actually the- so far I, as, as sort of this first person perspective, I'm, I'm nowhere in it. No, huh. I think I'll, I'll, I'll pop up in the foreword. Talk about my well, how I became interested. In right, it, it's, it's more of a of a uh, of a kind of uh, I don't want to say analysis. That's far too dry, but, but more of a, a book about his writing, less than my. Mm-hmm. my that my, must feel good. I know that I've I've written a lot of autobiographical stuff, and just kind of as a fallback, like my own experience is the one that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find myself yearning to just not have me in it or at all it except is, as a filtering it is a good feeling yeah. it is to just turn your lens outward you know yeah. yeah it is yeah in fact my first book sweat i was nowhere in there and, and that's a deeply personal book to me yeah but until the editor came back in the final stages and said why don't you write a, an afterward that ex, that explores some of your personal experience with the band that's the only reason that sure. it's in there you know great stuff this has been a great time Thank you, Joe. Thanks yeah, for having been me. Fantastic. This was our best episode, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I'm looking forward to that Roger Angel book. Do you have a Do you have a title? Roger Angel: A Writer's Life in Baseball. Okay. I like it. I like it as well. And the new book is Field Recordings from the Inside, coming Sox out on Gold. Valentine's Day and 14th spring training. And so, good gift. All right, Thanks, everybody. Joe. Thanks, uh, Gabe back there has been a silent but steady presence as always, and. Um, all you out, all you listeners out there, thanks a lot. I'll catch you guys later. Bye. Cheers. Special thanks to Augustana College and WOG Student Radio. Gabe Tucker is our audio engineer, and Sub Atlantic provides the theme music. You can reach Dan and Kelly on Facebook. We always welcome comments, critiques, suggestions, and especially praise. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you like what you hear, do a podcast a solid and leave a review on iTunes. See you next time.